Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Reverend Adrian L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so you can get a better understanding of certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how something written so long ago can relate to what you're going through right now. Y'all, you know, here at BF Ministries, we get a lot of questions from people who say they want to believe in the Lord. They want to believe in Christ. But for whatever reason, something is holding them back, you know, for going, you know, hard body 100%. Now, a lot of hesitation that they have. It, It comes from two things, right? Number one is the hypocrisy that they see in other Christians. And number two is... The questions they have surrounding the things they've read, heard, or been told about the Bible. And really, that's that's bigger than the hypocrisy, but the hypocrisy is a big thing. Maybe we'll cover that in a, in a future show. But a lot of times, people just want clarity, y'all, on what they've heard or what they think. I mean, they just want the truth. People want the truth. And they want to know, can they trust that truth? Well, see, we're all about that truth action hear about deeper in the word. It's what drives us, okay? Because our goal is always to discuss things from the context of the Bible and only the Bible so that you get the truth of what God wants us to know. Because we believe the Bible is the word of God. Therefore, that's our authority, okay? Not the opinions and beliefs of some guy at some university sitting on some church or some faculty board. I don't care how many degrees he has or what school it is, how prestigious it is. What God says goes, not what man interprets God as having said. Y'all hear me on that? If God said it, that's what I'm rocking with. Not some guy saying, well, if you look deeper. No, bruh. I'm going up what God said, okay? Now, I will always include the right contextual and cultural um aspects and that's what we all about here we got to give you the proper context for scripture but we're still going off the word we're not going off what some guy thinks this is what jesus meant you got to be careful we start running into christians and say this is what jesus meant to say this is what paul meant to say no paul said what he said jesus said what he said you rock with it or you don't see that's when people start twisting the word to suit their particular taste or their culture It's happened all throughout history, going all the way back to the apostles, and it's still happening now. People twist the gospel to fit themselves. They'll take a particular part of scripture out of context, and then they'll be like, see, that means that we're okay. And, you know, there's another show. We'll be, you'll you'll be hearing about that in the future about, you know, misuse and abuse uh, verses, but I'm getting off track here. So basically what we're talking about is, you know, this idea of people twisting the word, you know, and... So out of all of that, we have ministries and in, in, uh, deeper in the word, we're happy to present to you this new segment that we call what he said. OK, now you probably heard people say that in conversation. Somebody's talking and they're saying something real profound. And then at the end of it, somebody goes, yeah, what he said. Well, that's kind of the idea here, because when it comes to answers that people want about the Bible, that's what we're going to say. 
what he said, what God said. This new show segment is where we answer the top questions that people have about the Bible with answers that have just a little more depth than the standard answer you'll give, uh, you'll get from somebody if you ask them. And if you have questions like that, questions about the Bible or about God or about Jesus that or the Trinity or whatever that you've always wanted to ask, we encourage you to submit those questions to us here at info at benevolentfaithministries.org. That's our email. Info, I-N-F-O, at benevolentfaithministries, all one word, dot org. And we'll, we'll answer your questions here on the show. Because again, this is a new segment that we're going to do, not every week, but you know, every once in a while. So, since today's show is all about what he said, answering the biggest questions that people have about God and the Bible, and before we get into this segment, let me say this, all right? Our goal here at Deeper in the Word, we ain't trying to tell you what you should or shouldn't think about things, okay? There's too many Christians doing that today anyway. There's too many religions trying to do that nowadays anyway. It's not about trying to say to you, this is what you should believe. No one should be saying that, even Christians, okay? No one should dictate to you what should be in your thinking, all right? All we're doing here is simply breaking down the Bible and what it says about these certain topics that we're going to cover. Again, the Bible, that's always our motto. Because when you don't believe me, I'm going to tell you, look at the text. You're going to hear me say that a lot on this show. Look at the text. Because that's where we're coming from. See, this isn't a right or wrong situation here. When we answer these questions... We're going to do so based on what the Bible tells us. And accordingly, we're going to leave it to you to apply logic and reason to what you've learned and heard. Because that's what God wants. God wants us to use reason, y'all. He don't want us to be all some duh, duh type stuff, guessing blindly or living in ignorance. Because both of the paths going to lead us down to destruction. Whether you live walking blindly or whether you're walking in ignorance, both of them paths lead to the inroad of destruction. See, God don't want that. God wants us to use reason, uh, excuse me, reason and logic to think things through, because He is a God of reason and lo- uh, reason and logic. I don't know why I keep saying reason, but He is a God of reason and logic. Look at what James three seventeen says. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. He's saying open to reason, meaning wisdom from God is subject to intelligent analysis. God wants us to ask questions. He wants us to to, to be curious. Now, there's a way you do it. You don't come at even trifling like, Lord, what you do that for? I mean, you know, I mean, come on. This is a holy, uh, perfect guy we're talking about. There's a way to get at it. But he wants our intelligent analysis of things. He wants us to ask questions. So having said all that, all right, let's go and get it popping with today's question. And this question actually came to me in an email a few weeks ago which is exactly why we encourage y'all to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org. And this email asks, um, Rev. Rob, how come dinosaurs 
are talked about in the Bible. We have all these dinosaur bones and things that prove they exist. So if the Bible is true, then why ain't they talked about in it? First of all, thanks so much for your question because it is a good one. And let me add that to y'all listening. This uh, listener did put things. <laughs> I said dinosaur bones and things because that's what he put. <laughs> all right. So, but it's a good question. Now, you probably heard this before and this topic, I should say. But the topic of dinosaurs in the Bible has been debated for a long time by scholars. And it's part of a larger debate that's been going on in the Christian community for a long time over other related factors, especially the age of the earth. Okay? So the question of how old the earth is has also been a huge ongoing debate in the scientific community for a long time, okay? They use a process known as radiometric dating. And that allows them to look at what a rock is made up of and determine how old it is based on that. And then they use that to determine how old the earth be, the earth should be. Because I mean, ain't nothing older than rocks. Not even trees, because trees are gonna eventually die even though they may continue to grow in a certain region for years and years and years, like in, you know, the cedars in Lebanon. But rocks don't die, you know. So, like the oldest rocks on Earth to date were found in Northwestern Canada. And they're 4 billion years old. They've dated it that far back using this technology, right? There's rocks in Swaziland, South Africa, going back three and a half billion years old. And actually, it's a lot of continents on the planet where there are rocks three and a half billion years old, okay? So if everybody's sitting there right now going, is he gonna talk about rocks on the show today? No, 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 no. The point is, the age of the earth is up for debate because quite honestly, don't nobody really know. I mean, do you know somebody that was around from back then? That could be like, no, nah, because I remember when the Big Bang, I was sleeping and it was like, boom. No, for nobody around. So it's up for debate and it always has been. Now, the reason why this age of the earth thing is important is because people who believe in an older age of the earth, they always believe or they tend to think that the Bible does not mention dinosaurs because according to their line of thinking, dinosaurs died out quote unquote millions of years before the first man ever walked the earth. That's that theory. Now again, remember, what nobody around. So even if people have been believing that for a long time, I'm not sure what can validate that. There's a lot of evidence out there, but if we find the bone, the, the human bones, I mean, a lot of that evidence is out there. A lot of that research is out there. Okay, but according to pe these, these people, dinosaurs died out millions of years before man ever walked the earth. So therefore, men who wrote the Bible could not have seen living dinosaurs, okay? Now, on the flip side, people who believe in a younger age for the earth, they tend to agree that the Bible does mention dinosaurs, though they'll tell you, dinosaurs, but they'll tell you that it never actually uses the word dinosaur. And that's true. 
So instead, what it does, it uses like Hebrew words that are translated a few different ways in our English Bibles, okay? For instance, the Hebrew word tanin, which is spelled T-A-N-N-I-Y-N, is translated as monster in certain texts, like Job chapter 7, verse 12. But in other texts, it can mean sea monster, like in Psalm 148, verse 7, or serpent, like in Psalm 91, verse 13. And in a lot of instances, it's commonly referred to as a dragon. But in all these cases, a tanin appears to have been some sort of giant reptile, okay? And these creatures are mentioned nearly 30 times in the Old Testament and were found on both land and in the water. And the Tanin isn't the only creature described in the Bible in a way that biblical scholars believe that the writers may have been talking about what we ultimately come to believe as dinosaurs. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more when we come. Come back for the break. And we're back. I want to remind everybody that, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> that you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Casts, and on Apple Podcasts and the iTunes Store. So we greatly appreciate uh, everyone that subscribes. And uh, today's show is called What He Said. We're answering some of the toughest questions about, about the Bible. And today's question was, uh, how come dinosaurs aren't in the Bible? And we've been talking a little bit about the different word and text translations in the Bible, which are likely describing creatures that we know today as dinosaurs. Now, another more direct reference to dinosaurs in the Bible comes in the book of Job. And Job talks about a creature called the behemoth. All right, now this bad boy is described in detail in Job. In chapter 40, verses 15 to 24, he's described as the mightiest of all God's creatures. Now, I'm going to read this description of the behemoth to you, and y'all tell me what you think. All right, listen to these descriptive terms here. It says, behold, behemoth which I made as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold, his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Let him who made him bring near his sword, for the mountains yield food for him where all the wild beasts play. Under the lotus plant he lies in the shelter of the reeds and in the marsh. For his shade the lotus trees cover him, the willows of the brook surround him. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. He is confident through Jordan, though Jordan rushes against his mouth. Can one take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? Now, <laughs> let me say this. First of all, bless the reading of the Lord's word, but let me say this. Many biblical scholars, y'all, and I don't know how, but they have somehow come to the conclusion 
that the behemoth is a hippopotamus. Now y'all heard what I just read. That Job ain't describing no hippopotamus, B. Now you can say, oh, he under the lotus plant, he lies in the shelter of the reeds in the marsh. Hippos do that. They do do that. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like barns, bars of iron. Eh, maybe hippo does that. He's grass like an ox. Below, behold the strength of his loins, his power and his muscles in his belly. Maybe, maybe Hippo does that. But I want y'all to take note again to this particular verse, verse 17, that talks about the behemoth's tail. He makes his tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. And in other translation, it says he moves his tail like a cedar. Okay, the sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. I believe that's the uh, New International Version. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But the point is, I ain't no zoologist or nothing like that, but come on. Hippos and elephants have very thin tails, okay? And oftentimes, if you look at a, a hippo or elephant, go Google it right now. If you look at a hippo or an elephant in a picture, the tail don't even be longer than most of the human beings standing next to them. It'd be like half the size of a human or maybe the full size of a human. And I ain't never seen to did it no, yes, I said seen to did it. I ain't never seen to did it no elephant or hippo with a tail like a cedar tree, y'all. Okay, do you know what a cedar tree looks like? The average, average cedar tree grows to be about 115 feet tall. And many can grow to be double that. Now, the Dagon Statue of Liberty is 305 feet tall. So the average cedar tree is half the size of the Statue of Liberty. I'm sorry. Last time I checked, y'all, ain't no hippos or elephants got tails half the size of the Statue of Liberty. People using them tails as jump ropes. It's not happening. So this animal, the behemoth, had a tail that long. That means if it was huge, that mean, I mean, that means it had to be huge. I mean, think about it. If only the tail on average was half the size of the Statue of Liberty, then what does that say about the proportion of the rest of the body of that thing? Okay? In other words, I'm sorry, my opinion, again, we don't tell you what to believe here. I'm giving you my opinion. I present the text, tell you what it means. I'm gonna give you my opinion though. You can like it or not. That ain't no hippo or no elephant, yo. I'm sorry, okay? On the other hand though, dinosaurs like the Brachiosaurus and the Diplodocus, <laughs> that name kills me. <laughs> you wanna call it the Diplodocus? No, anyway, um, these two animals, in particular, these two dinosaurs had huge tails which could easily be compared to a cedar tree. So let me spell them out for you because I want y'all to Google these jaws so y'all can see a picture of what I'm talking about and just how large these animals were. A brachiosaurus, that's B-R-A-C-H-I-O-S-A-U-R-U-S, okay? And a diplodocus, <laughs> diplodocus, D-I-P-L-O-D-O-C-U-S, diplodocus. 
These are two species of dinosaur who pretty much match the description we just read in Job. When you look at those, you'll see, because those, those, they were herbivores. So that means they eat, they grass. Behold the strength in his loins and the power of the muscles in his belly. Look at the picture. Tail stiff like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He is the first of the works of God. Mm. Let the mountains yield food. Behold, if the river is turbulent, he is not frightened. Why would he be? He's bigger than everything. He is confident though Georgia rushes against his mouth. That means it could be a raging river and he's drinking like a casual drink. Can one take him by his eyes or pierce his nose with a snare? I don't think so. Not that big old thing. So again, this is just my opinion. But like I said, this is a clear indication that it is possible there were animals existed that we sleeping on, including dinosaurs. Now there's another creature mentioned in the Bible that lends credence to this idea of describing dinosaurs. And we're gonna talk about that when we come back from the break. Benevolent Faith Ministries, we believe a benevolent God deserves a benevolent faith. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. And we are back on Deeper in the Word, where our topic is what he said as we tackle the toughest questions about God and the Bible. Today, we've been discussing the question, why aren't dinosaurs mentioned in the Bible? And we presented biblical evidence which calls that into question. We just talked about a creature called the behemoth. And I hope y'all took the time during the commercial break to Google that John. The next creature we want to discuss that the Bible talks about is called the Leviathan, okay? Now, the Leviathan is referenced in the book of Job. It's in Psalms. It's in the book of Isaiah. And it's in the book of Amos. But again, it's Job. Job is that guy. He's the one that always goes into the greatest detail to describe this creature. And we see it in chapter 41. Now, check this. Now, this is a lot longer, so I'm not actually going to read this. So I would encourage you to read Job chapter 41, okay? But it basically, and I will highlight a few verses from it, but it's basically describing the Leviathan. And I want to get to some of the more descriptive passages because that's the point here. Verse 14 says, Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. Yo. What do you envision when you see that? Okay. His back is made of, this is verse 15, the very next verse. His back is made of rows of shields shut up closely as with a seal. So he got teeth of terror and he got shields, rows of shields on his back. Hmm. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. My Lord. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. He's talking about the rows of shields on his back, yo. And the teeth of terror. 
His sneezings flash forth light and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils come forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. That was verse 20. I just read from verse 15 and 20. 21, he breathes kindless coals. He breathes, his breath kindles coals, excuse me. And a flame comes from, flames comes forth from his mouth. His neck abides strength and terror dances before him. Listen to this. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. Whew. When he raises, verse 25, I'm skipping around. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid at the crashing. They are beside themselves. Though the sword, next verse, 26. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail. The, nor the spear, the dart, nor the javelin. Man, this thing sounds crazy, right? So you can read that for yourself. It's all the way to verse 41. Okay? Verse 30. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. Yo, if you don't really know what that was, you need to look them images up, what a potsherd is. His parts are underparts are like sharp, sharp potsherds. That, that goes, again, with, with all them shields that were on his back. They're describing something really crazy looking here. This is a pretty descriptive passage, right? Now, let me say this. Some will argue that these type of writings are just part of a Jewish mythology. But we got to remember, ancient peoples didn't have the same benefit that we do of comparative descriptions. They could only describe what they saw and compare it to things they were familiar with. So if the things they were familiar with were not actually what they were seeing, they were made, might be describing it wrong. They could only use what they knew is what I'm saying. So when you consider that, you got to consider that these ancient peoples were more than likely just describing scene, uh, things that they had seen or were familiar with. Otherwise, there wouldn't be so much descriptive quality to it. And you gotta be careful when you start reading certain translations. I'm gonna give you an example. Certain Bible translations. In the Revised Standard Version, the RSV, it's an English translated version that was published in 1952 by the Division of Christian Education of the National Council of Churches. And it, it's a revision of the ASV. And it was supposed to be a literal, accurate, modern translation. But the RSV claims that the Leviathan is translated as crocodile. And other later text versions even translated as great white whale. Y'all, that's not what Job was describing. Now, crocodile does have a scaly back. Skin sticks together, all of that. Does have the teeth. But um, trying to think of whatever it has. Yeah, a crocodile doesn't breathe fire. <laughs> Last time I checked, you know what I mean? Crocodiles only have smoke coming out they coming out their nose and and like a boiling pot and burning rushes, flame coming out of his mouth. You know what I'm saying? So you can, so I mean, that's not what Job described. So so which is it? That's the thing. If it's fake Jewish mythology, then why try to literally translate this creature as a crocodile in the RSV or a whale or any other animal clearly not matching the description that Job laid out? So if it's not that, then it has to be a picture of someone describing something they have seen 
or familiar with. Remember, we're talking about logic and reason. God wants you to ask the questions, yo. So we've looked at what the Bible says about giant creatures, which could be considered dinosaurs. Now let's look at the physical evidence because logic and reason dictate that what we just learned should match up with the physical evidence that's found to support dinosaurs, right? Because the fact is, just about every ancient civilization, y'all, has some sort of art depicting giant reptilian creatures. Petroglyphs, look that word up. Artifacts, even little clay figurines found in North America resemble modern depictions of dinosaurs. We're talking about drawings on caves, little trinkets that have been found in this country, in North America, on our continent, I should say. It's rock carvings in South America that show men riding the dippet low docus. I'm gonna stop saying that, I'm sorry, I can't resist. But there are rock carvings depicting men riding the diplodocus. Remember, that's the behemoth in our thinking. And these images look really familiar. These other images that they have, that they look like Triceratops, Pterodactyls, and Tyrannosaurus rexus. The creatures, what I'm saying is, these carvings in South America depict men riding these creatures and other creatures that look like Triceratops, Pterodactyls, and Tyrannosaurus rexus. This is South America, okay? And then you got Roman mosaics and Mayan pottery and Babylonian city walls all throughout history that'll testify to mankind's fascination and possible interaction with these type of creatures. And I didn't even mention all the fossils, the fossilized bones and footprints of humans and dinosaurs that are found together in places in North America and West Central Asia. Remember, because the, the age Earth people said, oh, dinosaurs lived millions of years before man. And now we've got these bones in North America and West Central Asia where the humans and the dinosaur bones are found together in certain places. So like I said, man, not here to convince you of anything. We're here to present the evidence as the Bible says it. So are there dinosaurs in the Bible? This matter is, is far from settled. As we've discussed, it depends on how you interpret all the available evidences and how you view the world around you. Now, if the Bible is interpreted literally, a young earth interpretation will, will result and the idea that dinosaurs and man coexisted can be accepted. This is what we believe. Again, I just told you, they found bones where they lie next to each other. So this is what we believe, okay? But if dinosaurs and human beings coexisted, then the question becomes, what happened to them? And the Bible doesn't say. But the reality is dinosaurs likely died out after the flood. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here logically based on review of scripture, probably a combination of dramatic environmental shifts and maybe they were hunted down to extension, extension, uh, extinction, I'm not sure. The Bible doesn't always give us a history of, a chronological history of the world. That's not what the Bible is. It's not a chronological history of the world, even though that's what Genesis does. The Bible doesn't chron uh, uh, chronologize history because it doesn't talk necessarily about certain parts of the world and other peoples, what they were doing, unless they were relating to the Israelites. 
So always keep that in mind. But as far as what happened to the dinosaurs, we don't know. And we may never really know, to be quite honest with you. But what we do know is this. The Bible presents some pretty logical and reasonable evidence to conclude that dinosaurs probably existed. The rest is up to you to decide, y'all. And we here at Deeper in the Word encourage you to investigate more on this and any other subject which causes you to question the Word of God. Remember, God wants you to ask questions because God is a God of reason and logic. Amen? <laughs> and always, don't forget that you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and Pocket Casts, and on Apple Podcasts and the iTunes Store. Listen, it's been real. Thanks for joining us. Catch us next Wednesday and Friday where we have brand new content, brand new guests, and a brand new opportunity to get at the Lord. We'll catch y'all next time. Holla.